This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. So today is Indigenous Peoples Day, and here on KEXP, DJs will be playing Indigenous artists throughout the day in celebration. And here on Sound and Vision, we are going to dedicate the show to the music of Indigenous artists in new Native-focused TV shows. We'll be talking a lot about the new FX and Hulu show Reservation Dogs. It's about a group of teenage friends from rural Oklahoma that are trying to get enough money to move away from their reservation. One of my favorite set of characters from the show are the rappers Lil Mike and Funny Bone. They are brothers who occasionally show up in the show to freestyle, often while riding BMX bikes. Banging. She likes my hot chips flaming. <laughs> Heck yeah. Got a new song. It go like this. <clears throat> we making them drop when the glock go pop, pop, pop. Bullets can't be stopped. I let them in shock when the glock go pop, pop, pop. You better believe we shutting down shop when the glock go pop, pop. KXP's Grace Madigan caught up with the brothers to hear about their music outside of the show and what it means for them to be in Reservation Dogs. Lil Mike and Funny Bone were meant to be performers. The pair of brothers, both named Jesus, grew up in Oklahoma City, surrounded by its Black community, which they often felt more connected to than their Native heritage. It wasn't until Funny Bone's senior year of high school that they started embracing their roots in the Pawnee tribe when he signed up to perform in the school's cultural day. Today, they make what they call positive hip-hop. Music is medicine, and it's here to help better us. So that's another reason why we make positive hip-hop music is because there's too much out there that's, you know, leading people astray anyway. So we're just like, let's let's be the opposite of what everybody else is listening to because somebody is going to need, you know, what we're making. Plus, we wanted to make sure that uh, whatever kind of impact we leave in all people's lives is a, is a positive one. Songs like Rain Dance, which they performed for their appearance on America's Got Talent, and God's Got This, which is about their faith, showcase this positive perspective. As does their song, Fry Bread Snackin'. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Mom's fry bread prompted us to write a song about that we got that on our latest album it's called beat of the drum the song is called fry bread snacking and i mean we got a song called pow wow But they also write about more serious topics, like police brutality, in their song That's Enough. Police brutality, killing families, that's enough. Racism in the system, no more victims, that's enough. Evil in disguise, telling lies, that's enough, that's enough. No more, that's enough. They feel it's important to incorporate relevant issues to Indian country in their music, things that Reservation Dogs hasn't covered yet. The show, I think it highlights a lot of important topics like the suicide deal 
and the uh, uh, single parent home episode. And I wouldn't mind seeing an episode maybe that brought awareness to the missing and murdered indigenous women. We have a song for that called Fist in the Air. And we wrote it specifically to just use our platform to raise awareness for our stolen sisters and, and stolen people in general. Because, I mean, there's so much of that going on and it's not being spoke about on mainstream media and the news. I mean, it's just crazy. So we try to use our platform to raise awareness for that. Reservation Dogs has been renewed for season two, which Lil Mike and Funny Bone have every intention of coming back for. Until then, they'll be performing and continuing their advocacy efforts. This is for the ones with their fists in the air, missing in the murder from here to there. Sticking out just to say it don't seem fair. Push to the side, man, y'all don't care. This is for the ones with their fists in the air, fighting for the land that was already theirs. Sticking out just to say it don't seem fair. Push to the side, man, y'all don't care. This is Sound and Vision. KEXP's Martin Douglas recently caught up with the music supervisor of the show Reservation Dogs. Her name is Tiffany Anders. He asked her about how she collaborates with the show's co-creator, Sterling Harjo, and about some of the older folk and psychedelic rock songs by Native artists that did and didn't make the cut for the show. For people who don't know what goes into music supervision, is it a situation where you where you watch the rough cuts without music and you decide what songs go into what scenes? Like, what's the what's the process there? So, you know, it depends on the showrunner and, you know, how strong their vision is with certain things, you know. And um, on, on Reservation Dogs, it was definitely, like, a lot of Sterling and I working together. Like, Sterling definitely had an idea of what he wanted in the show. And a lot of it to me was kind of even a bit like, I feel like I learned a lot because, you know, I went into it thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to put all this amazing, cool Native American music in it. And, you know, I was like listening to you know, Native American psych bands from 1970s. And I was thinking that we were going to use all this really great obscure stuff. (laughs) And and, uh, so, yeah, with Sterling, he had an idea of what he wanted. He had a playlist already like mapped out of things that he wanted. And so oftentimes, like the pilot, for instance, the first episode was done before I came on pretty much what you're seeing in that first episode was all stuff that Sterling put in. Hey everyone out there in Indian Territory, Oklahoma. You're listening to K49, Territory Jams. I'm your humble host, Javon Bruner. Right now I'm taking you back to my snagging days with a little band called The Stooges with I Wanna Be Your Dog. Sound like a shapeshifter song to me. Anyway, take it away, Iggy. My dog. What are some examples of like the Native American folk songs or psych music that you kind of suggested that which ones did and which ones didn't make the cut that you were kind of passionate about? 
there was a comp that came out on Light in the Attic Records, which actually also is from Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I'm good friends with those guys over there. And they kind of keep me informed about what they're putting out. And I told them early on that Lee Hazelwood was a big one for Sterling and I to have in the show. And they had released all of Lee Hazelwood's catalog. There's a taste here in my mouth that tastes like Monday morning. Then they were like, oh, you should check out this Native American comp. So I got really into these songs on this comp that they put out. And it's mostly Canadian. It's all Canadian um, Native American songs, but it's very political and uh, weird 70s kind of folk songs. And in two of the episodes, we use two of the artists from that comp. One of them was David Campbell. Danced another night by Dance man in the sky and The other one, I can't say his last name, <laughs> but the song was called Hey, 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 Brother, which was in the last episode in, in 108. Hey, 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 brother Where are you going? And then, you know, there were certain artists that, you know, there's, of course, the big artists that Native American artists that are, you know, huge, like Redbone. And Link Ray, he created the rock and roll sound, the rock and roll guitar sound, and he's Native American. This is a tragic story and kind of amazing too, which is that early on, Sterling and I had talked a lot about the guitar player, Jesse Ed Davis. He's Native American from Oklahoma, and uh, he played with everybody in the 70s. You know, he played with like Eric Clapton and John Lennon and Bob Dylan. He was a session guy on like every record you can think of, every classic rock record you can think of. Then he put out a couple of his own records. Just a cool, you know, really wore his heritage, cool looking dude. Played with Gene Clark, who's one of my favorite artists too. And he just put out these beautiful solo records as well. He died tragically, I think in the in the eighties. And we wanted to use this one Jesse Ed Davis song and we could not find the publisher. <laughs> So it was stuff like this where I like tried and I tried and and Sterling kept going like, doesn't he have an estate? Doesn't he have a family? He had no kids. He had like, you know, just like the most tragic thing in the world. So it was just killing me. But that was one of the things that we both, um, a native artist that we both really wanted in the show that we kept hitting dead ends with that I couldn't 
I couldn't license. So maybe by the time season two happens, uh, somebody will come out of the woodwork and say, I can claim the rights to Jesse Ed Davis. But <laughs> as it is right now, he's this tragic figure whose song is in limbo and is such an important Native artist, you know? That was Tiffany Anders, the music supervisor for the show Reservation Dogs, speaking with KEXP's Martin Douglas. Now, Reservation Dogs wasn't the only TV show that came out this year that centers Indigenous stories. There's also Peacock's Rutherford Falls. Sound and Vision's assistant producer Grace Madigan spoke with some musicians behind these shows to talk about the importance of representation and what exactly Native music is. Samantha Crane is a singer-songwriter from Oklahoma and a member of the Choctaw Nation. Samantha knew Bello Oki, Sterling Harjo, before he co-created Reservation Dogs, a show about four indigenous teenagers living on a rural Oklahoma reservation, dreaming of one day running off to California. Sterlin, who is the creator and writer of the show, and I have been friends for probably like 14 years. We were both sort of coming up as artists around the same time in Oklahoma. And so we did a lot of projects together, just like as we were starting, like he helped me do a lot of like really early music videos and things like that. She had charity demo of the song Joey off of her 2020 album A Small Death with him, and he knew he wanted to use it in the show somehow. Joey, why don't you come around and see me? Got plenty of room now that I live alone. Last time I saw you, you were walking in the middle. Your face was sweaty and your outfit was gone. This song plays when the group of friends is mourning the anniversary of their friend's death. They never explicitly say how he died, but it is understood that the trauma and reality of living on the reservation played a role. The scene is poignant and feels almost like the song was created for the moment on screen, but it was actually about a friendship she's had for 13 years. Could you remind me, take me back for a night? I think the song was really just meant to kind of dig into how there's there's something really special about a friendship where you don't have to give any like background information. Like they already know the the context that you exist in because they experienced it along with you. In the scene, the group of friends, who are all dressed in suits, perform a smudging ceremony with burning sage. Here's how Samantha describes what smudging is. So as you move the smoke around your body, you sort of focus on where you're directing the smoke around you, and it's meant to be a protectant that our ancestors can give us, so a protectant and a, and a comfort. For Samantha, the scene means a lot more than just the chance to hear her own music used in a major TV production. It was one of the first times she felt represented on the screen. I, as, a, um, as an indigenous woman, have never seen a 
like a modern contemporary smudging ceremony used in a movie or television. And that's something that I do, you know, on a regular basis, just as part of my spiritual practice and as part of my line to my ancestors. And um, a lot of my, you know, indigenous friends would say the same thing. One of the things that both the productions of Reservation Dogs and Rutherford Falls did was to include as many indigenous voices as possible. Samantha says that happened in all aspects of production for Sterling Harjo show Reservation Dogs. I'm talking about like the making of the show, the writing of the show, the music, the graphics, the photography and the advertising, like all of it was just like he wanted his his friends and people from his community involved as much as possible because he felt like if he was going to get the chance to kind of like take a step up in his career, he wanted to bring his friends along with him. It's just like a really cool thing to see expand like across Indian country and just see like the excitement um, and the and the ownership that we're all taking over it. The electronic duo, the Hallucination, formerly known as A Tribe Called Red, is made up of Bear Witness and Tim Toolman Hill. The group also had their music used in Reservation Dogs, in addition to being involved with the Peacock original, Rutherford Falls. Rutherford Falls stars the office alum, Ed Helms, who plays a small-town historian who is at a crossroads with his lifelong friend, played by Lakota actress Janish Meeting, who must balance her loyalty to her Minishonko community and her friends. The hallucination happened to meet both of the show's creators at Imaginative, a Canadian film festival celebrating Indigenous filmmakers and artists. Like Sterling, Rutherford Falls co-creator Sierra Teller Ornelas wanted to involve as many indigenous people and voices in the show's production as she could. She tapped the pair to score the show's soundtrack. Bear explains just how big of an opportunity this was for him and Tim. Such a huge thing because so often our music will get a sync, it'll get programmed into something, but it'll usually, you know, somehow relate to culture you know, to, to indigenous culture. But in this sense, we were given the opportunity to create music as indigenous artists for an indigenous show, but not just to make indigenous sounds. Sierra is a member of the Navajo Nation, while both Bear and Tim are First Nation. Their indigeneity is something that is apparent in everything from the show's jokes to its music. The fact that Sierra gave the group so much creative control was something that Bear appreciated, having been in situations where certain things were expected of them because of their indigenous backgrounds. Sierra made it very clear to us that we could use as much or as little culture that we wanted and that any time that we did, we had to be fully comfortable with why and where we were doing that. To have that, you know, as part of the creation process, like actually said on the table, you are only going to bring in your cultural elements when you want to, when it's what feels good and right to you, is completely unprecedented (laughs) in that kind of a, a work environment. When the hallucination was up for awards, 
They made a statement by requesting to be considered in the general electronic category and not just the Indigenous Album of the Year. Recognizing the platform they had, Bear explains why they made that choice. Indigenous music needed to be seen on the same stage as everybody else. That, you know, it wasn't fair to only look at Indigenous music as a category of Indigenous. This metaphorical box that Indigenous musicians are put in is not something new, nor is it unique. Many musicians of color face the same issue. But it's something that the Halusi Nation set out to challenge from the start. The Halusa Nation. We started remixing and using dubstep really early on because that was the sound of the time, right? So we wanted to make music that everyone could connect to and enjoy, but that would be instantly recognizable as Indigenous, while also having things in it that you wouldn't necessarily know unless you were, you know, part of the culture. And I, fi- I find that, you know, these shows uh, like Rutherford Falls are, are bringing that, you know, they're bringing that to, you know, an international stage and being able to create a show that is funny and enjoyable and, and, can, and relatable to, to all people. Neither Bear nor Tim had experience writing music for the screen. They soon found out just how different it was writing music for a TV show versus the dance floor. But they had the guidance of David Schwartz, who's worked on Deadwood and Parks and Recreation. In the first episode, Ed Helms' character has a meltdown when making an address in front of City Hall. Tim says the song they created for that scene encapsulates how they were able to incorporate their sound, which is marked by its electronic influence mixed with traditional sounds, into the show. There's even also stuff that we threw in, like uh, stuff that we haven't done before, which was used like a like a water drum sound that is traditional traditional to me and bear, and rattles that's traditional to me and bear for a specific part. The enormity of getting to be a part of not just one but two indigenous shows is not lost on the duo. Barry describes just how important it is to him. Oh, it's, it's, it's massive. You know, it's the kind of thing that I feel we've been dreaming about and, you know, talking about late nights for, for you know, more than a generation. You know, the reality of Indigenous people in, in North America is never having control of our own image. Like, it's, it's always been us as seen through uh, a colonial lens, really. You know, if you go back to portraits painting and, and photography and, you know, then through film and TV, music, it's always somebody else's version of us. You know, so whenever we can take control of that, it's, it's huge. The amount of Indigenous representation has improved over time. But Tim remembers clinging to the image of First Nations actor Graham Greene in Die Hard even though the character had maybe five minutes of screen time. But, like, to me, he's, like, the main star. So to actually have an actual person in, like, have actual Indigenous people within the show, 
and them having leading roles and injecting our kind of humor, our kind of things that we go through. The hallucination was formed back in 2007 with the intention of indigenizing the club space. Since then, they've won two Juno Awards, been nominated for more, and have challenged the concept of what Native music is and can be. For us, that was right away something that we realized in our careers that we could stand for and that we could affect was how we were seen, you know, in the media and on stage and everywhere as Indigenous people in today's world. Like, the, again, that idea of being static stuck in in the past you know all those things that that other people's uh idea of us you know has 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 cornered us into is is really really hard to shake you know and the only way that we can ever do that is to have things like tv shows you know have have things that aren't just for our community you know the final scene of the reservation dogs pilot features the hallucination song red it's a pivotal moment when the main character and his friends decide to stay on the rural Oklahoma reservation they're so desperately trying to escape from, and instead protect it from a rival gang. I have a background in video art, and what I used to do was take images of indigenous people from the media and then layer it with our music. And now I was able to watch a TV show that had one of my favorite indigenous actors on screen with our music behind it. It was like, uh, it was one of those moments where I was like, how did we get here? <laughs> All episodes of both Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs are available to stream on Peacock and Hulu. For Sound and Vision, I'm Grace Madigan. Sun, moon, stars, and the hunger, abundance in bundles, blessings in troubles, towers and tunnels, views and valleys, waves and peaks, streets you from sun, planet Earth, and ain't scared of no Mars. That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.